Welcome to the Wild Wisdom Podcast with Dr. Patricia Mills. I'm Dr. Patricia. This podcast is for people who want to transform their health, restore their hormones, and reconnect to their body's natural wisdom. Hi, I'm Dr. Patricia. I'm a Canadian medical doctor, published author, internationally recognized researcher, and passionate advocate for your health. Here, we'll explore the intersection between ancient wisdom and cutting-edge science, distilling the essence of true health into practical steps you can take. Wild wisdom is instinctive knowledge in action. Thanks for making this part of your day. Hello, and welcome to the Wild Wisdom Podcast. This segment has been taken from Thrive Thursdays with Dr. Patricia Mills. I hope you enjoy this episode, and here is Dr. Patricia Mills. Hot flashes. For those who experience it, it can either be a minor nuisance or cause tremendous suffering. Hi, I'm Dr. Patricia Mills. I'm a medical doctor, women's health expert, functional medicine practitioner, and passionate advocate for your health. Today, I'm going to be talking about hot flashes, why they happen, and what you can do to improve your experience with them. I'm going to be going deep into questions that you probably have uh, about hot flashes. And by the way, if you don't have hot flashes, let's say you're not in menopause, this is still a very important uh, information for you because what you want to do is set the stage for a menopause that doesn't include hot flashes that get in the way of your quality of life. And setting the stage, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure, really actually um, applies here most definitely because as we're going to go into, hot flashes can be a sign of hormonal imbalance beyond what is expected to happen in menopause. And the better health you get your hormones into even before menopause, the better experience you're gonna have going into menopause with menopausal symptoms like hot flashes. Now, the reason that I am covering this today is because I uh, was in my Wild Collective program with my lovely ladies there, and a lot of them were experiencing very severe hot flashes to the point where they were unable to sleep properly at night. So it was getting in the way of their sleep quality and it was getting in the way of their ability to fully participate in their events in the day when they would happen. And for some of them, the hot flashes had been happening for 10 years or more. So we're gonna get into questions like, what is known and not known about the causes of hot flashes? How long should they last? Is more than 10 years normal? And when are they normal and when are they not? What are your hot flashes a sign of? That's, um, and what are the causes that are potentially reversible that are contributing to your hot flashes? Because uh, I will never give you a problem without giving you a solution to that problem. That I promise you. So then the last thing we're, we're going to cover is how can you use some research-backed science results that you can start applying in your life right away to start seeing some immediate results. Now, I'm coming to you live in my Thrive Thursday episode. And if you're in my private free Facebook group, Wild Wisdom for Women with Dr. Patricia, Patricia Mills, you're able to join live and ask your questions. So if you're joining me live, uh, you can accept the stream yard um, and that'll allow me to see your name or you can put your name into the comment and you can ask your questions, please do, and, and say hi so I can give you a wonderful shout out. So let's dive right in. Hot flashes, 
they affect as many as 50 to 75% of women going through menopause or in menopause. And most women experience them as a flush from the chest and to the neck and to the face. And the, and the fate, that area gets like red and hot because the blood vessels expand. And so all the blood rushes to your skin. So in medicine, it's called vasomotor. Vaso is like your blood vessels. Motor is the muscles that control the blood vessels. And it's a vasomotor dysfunction. Okay. Now, it is normal in menopause to have fluctuations of uh, your hormones because your hormones are usually made by your ovaries. Most of them in your fertile years are made by your ovaries. And then as you go into menopause, the ovaries retire and there's another organ that takes over the function of making your hormones and that's your adrenal glands. And your adrenal glands, usually their main job is to make your stress hormones like adrenaline and cortisol. Cortisol is a very well-known stress hormone. And when you go through menopause, what happens is that perimenopause period where you're transitioning from your fertile years into menopause and beyond, your ovaries start making less and less and less until they retire and shut down and and your adrenal glands have to pick up the slack. Okay, and your adrenal glands do have the capacity of making your sex hormones, which we know as estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone. And so your ovaries and your adrenal glands can make those three hormones, and your adrenal glands can make a hormone called DHEA, which can be broken down into estrogen and progesterone. So it is important to know that in menopause, you still have the capacity to make hormones. However, there are things that can happen before, during, and after menopause that can change your ability to make enough hormones to continue to enjoy your years and go into your golden years with full enjoyment of this, okay? Now, why is it important to figure out hot flashes? Well, what they found is that if you take all the women who are going through menopause and are in menopause and you divide them into women who have hot flashes and women who do not, the women who have hot flashes Whatever is um, triggering this like uh, more severe experience of hot flashes is also putting them at risk for things like cardiovascular events down the road, like an increased risk of heart attacks and strokes. And interestingly, research shows that while you're having a hot flash, the blood flow to your brain goes down. So your brain needs blood to think clearly, right? To make decisions clearly, needs that oxygen. And it's not like the blood flow gets cut off. I don't want you to get worried about that. But isn't it interesting that during a hot flash, the blood flow to the brain will drop. And if you're wearing a blood pressure cuff, you actually don't see a change in blood pressure. So this was something that researchers found out when they were specifically measuring the blood flow to the brain. So it is important to figure out the hot flashes so that you can feel better get less events of low, uh, lower blood flow to the brain and decrease your risk of future um, cardiovascular events like heart attack and stroke and improve your experience in your daytime and your nighttime. And at the woman that were telling me about their hot flashes, they were having a significant, significantly hard time sleeping. And just having your sleep disrupted can put you at risk for high blood pressure and heart attacks and strokes. 
So it all is interconnected, of course, as everything is with the human body. So what we're going to talk about is um, what do we know about um, hot flashes? Well, what is very commonly known about hot, women who have hot flashes versus women who don't? Um, actually, what is commonly known about going through menopause is that your estrogen levels as you go through menopause go down over time. They don't go to zero, but they go down. And what's interesting about women with hot flashes is that, is that the estrogen levels go down even more than women who don't have the hot flashes. For, so for some reason, that decrease in estrogen is more pronounced in, in the women with the hot flashes. So then the question is why? Now, it's interesting because when you read those studies that say the estrogen is what is, goes down, what often will they say is we don't know why. However, what I noticed was that a lot of the women were saying that they were hot having hot flashes with stress events. So they would be experiencing stress. Like uh, I remember I was working at the hospital um, and one of my coworkers, a doctor, she started having a hot flash because she was, um, you know, dealing with like a patient and it was very challenging. And so she was sitting in the doctor's lounge thinking about it and, and planning around it. And she had a hot flash and she mentioned to me, she said, man, you know, I, I, tend to get these when I'm, I'm stressed, right? And I noticed that that's a trigger for women. And what I found was very interesting is when you start to look at, when you start to look at the research on the connection between stress and our ovaries, so stress again is the adrenal glands are the ones making the stress hormones and the ovaries are making the, the, the female hormones. However, the adrenal glands can make the female hormones and they do in menopause. That's one. That's the new job that they have. There actually is a lot of research showing the connection between the stress and the female and the ovaries, the, the adrenal glands and the ovaries. And if you're a doctor listening to this, the way that you'll find this is it's called the hypothalamus pituitary gonadal axis and the hypothalamus pituitary adrenal axis. For the rest of you, it's um, what we're talking about is the brain to ovary connection and the brain to adrenal gland connection. So the brain to the female hormone connection production, production connection, brain to female hormone production, and brain to stress hormone production. And did you know that those two are linked, interconnected once again, right? How are they linked? Well, the research shows that particularly in women, and it's interesting, there is a sex difference. Men do, are not as sensitive to stress affecting their sex hormones as, as much as women are. Now, women are more sensitive to stress affecting their female hormones. And specifically, when you are undergoing stress, it can be physical, mental, emotional. Something triggers a stress response in your body. Your body makes more stress hormone cortisol from the adrenal glands. And that cortisol dampens down the activity of your female hormones. It basically turns down the production of your female hormones. Why would nature do this? Well, we don't know for sure. However, we do know that, for example, if a woman in the, let's say, this this um, way that our body works was dictated thousands, like over twenty thousand years ago, through our DNA, right? The way we, the way we evolved, our evolution. And what happens in evolution is that when a woman is uh, living through a time of famine or scarcity in terms of food or a war, for example, right? Tribal wars. 
Um, that was not a good time to have a baby. You would not have enough food to make a baby, enough nutrients to make a baby. And so it makes sense that the body would intuitively dampen down the woman's ability to make enough female hormones to do things like get pregnant. And what happens is that in that perimenopause phase, when you're transitioning from being fertile to going to menopause, that perimenopause phase where your hormone levels are changing. So your period starts to change. It starts to become less frequent or more frequent, more heavy or more spotty. Um, it can stop for a period of time and start again. And when you haven't had your period for one year, you are technically in menopause. And the hot flashes tend to start happening around that time. And so it could be that when you, when you put these two pieces of information together, that the stress response is further affecting your uh, ovaries' ability to make hormones. So in perimenopause, your ovaries' ability to make hormones is going down. And now you have stress, it can push that ability down even more. Do you see what I'm saying? So yes, naturally, as you go through menopause, your ovaries' ability to make estrogen goes down. And with the stress response, that ability goes down even more. So some a woman who has very um, good stress response to things that happen in her life, so she doesn't make a lot of hormone cortisol, she can cope with stress better, she will have less of that suppression on her, thing, on her female hormone production like estrogen than a woman who has a huge stress response to life events. And a lot of cortisol hormone is produced and those sex hormones are pushed down. So now you have that group of women who have higher estrogen than that group of women who have lower estrogen and therefore a risk of hot flashes is higher and that more stressed out, that higher stress response group. Has this been specifically studied in research? No, because it would be very hard to take a group of women going through menopause and cause a group of one like cause a stress to both women to both groups assess their stress response and then measure out their hormones and then measure out their their um their hot flashes right so if a doctor is listening to this and you're a researcher one interesting study to do would actually be to take women who are having hot flashes women who are not having hot flashes and look at their cortisol production look at their brain to adrenal gland um, function and brain to ovary function how are they um, affecting each other and get a sense of like what's going on in their life and their stress response through those chemical markers so what we're going to do for now is because we don't have those studies yet we're going to take the understanding of the human body and leverage that knowledge to see if we can do certain things to improve our experience with hot flashes. So I hope that makes sense. If you have any questions and you're viewing live, please put in your questions. So the, the, the um, take-home message for this section is that we know that in women in particular, when you undergo a stress response to something in your life, your ability to make your female hormones is affected in a negative way. It is reduced. That, if you're, if you're menstruating, by the way, that could look like infertility. If you're going through menopause, that could look like menopausal symptoms like hot flashes. And yes, it's normal to have a little bit of hot flashes, probably for a couple, two to three years. However, to have 
severe hot flashes that get in the way of the quality of your sleep and your quality of your day, your quality of life, and last for 10 years and beyond, is probably being reflected by something going in the body like what I've just explained to you about that stress ovary connection. So now we're going to talk about the second thing that I came across in my research when I was casting a broad net in terms of looking at what was going on. And what I do know is that a lot of women, so when, I'm, when I talk about my four pillars of holistic health, one is the stress response, one is the sugar hormones, one is gut health, and one is toxins tolerance. So the stress response seems to be relevant in this situation. The second one was the sugar hormones. And I was curious, do the sugar hormones have something to do with this? Because a lot of women have problems with their sugar hormone, insulin. Insulin is the hormone that's released in different circumstances, but in particular when we eat food that turns into sugar very quickly and the insulin goes up very, very quickly, like too quickly, and then crashes down. Then the blood sugar crashes down. And you get these wide, like very big swings of high blood sugar, low blood sugar, high blood sugar, low blood sugar, instead of like a nice stable, like um, blood sugar, where it's like medium up, medium down. Okay. And what happens is that when you have very high blood sugar, it really stimulates your body to make a lot of the sugar hormone insulin. And that over time can lead to what's called insulin resistance. Insulin resistance is when your body no longer responds to insulin very well because it's literally, um, it's like someone who's shouting, you know, in your ear, uh, you know, you get louder and louder and louder. And after a while, your ear starts to get damaged and you just can't hear them very well. And then they have to shout louder and louder for you to hear them. That's kind of what happens with insulin in the body. The more insulin you have made over time, the less your body is able to respond and listen to it. So your body ends up making more insulin and it becomes this vicious cycle. And it's, this is called insulin resistance. Your, resi your body's resisting the action of the insulin. And insulin is very important in many functions in the body. And it also um, influences your levels of sex hormones like estrogen and testosterone and progesterone and cortisol. They're all linked together. So what I found in the research was that they, it was a very interesting study where they took women with hot flashes and so they took a bunch of women who were going through menopause and they divided them into women who are going, having hot flashes and women who are not. And they measured the amount of insulin resistance that these women had. And what they found was that the woman who had hot flashes had much more insulin resistance than the woman who did not. It was what they call statistically and clinically significant. It, it was a significant difference. Now, you might say, well, okay, I'll go to my family doctor and order and ask them to test my insulin resistance. At least in Canada, that's not something that family doctors usually do because not only do you have to test your fasting blood sugar, your, your blood sugar first thing in the morning before you eat and drink anything, you also have to test your fasting insulin level and it's a calculation with the insulin level, the fasting insulin level, and the fasting blood sugar level that gives you your insulin resistance score. And, and for doctors, again, that's called the HOMA-IR, the Homeostatic Model Assessment of Insulin Resistance. So that's something to look up if you're not doing for your patients. Um, it is something that you as a patient will probably have to pay for uh, in places like Canada with public funding. Uh, maybe one day you won't have to, but the fasting insulin measure 
is worth paying for because when you start developing insulin resistance, your risk of many, many diseases goes up. In the case of hot flashes, your risk of having problems with hot flashes, how long they last for and how severe they are goes up. And remember, that matters because your risk of heart attacks and strokes and um, high blood pressure heart attacks and strokes go up. And I mean, who wants a heart attack and a stroke? As a physical medicine and rehab specialist, those were the people that I was specifically helping in their rehabilitation amongst many other conditions. And it is not something you want to go through. So, you know, you don't know for sure if your insulin resistance is causing your um Hot flashes, however, what I can say for the average human these days, the sugar hormones are a problem because a lot of our foods have hidden sugars in them. And we're going to get to that when we talk about how do we apply this in your life? How do you apply this knowledge in your life? So first of all, as a tiny recap, there are two reasons why you could be having your hot flashes and other menopause-related problems. For example, difficulties with your weight regulation, you know, maintaining your ideal body shape, your mood, irritability, because all of those things have been linked with problems with the stress response and insulin resistance. So what can you do about this? What are the research-backed, um, you know, actions you can take? Well, we've covered a little bit about the stress response. How can you reduce your stress response? Well, for me, it's not about one thing. I have many tools in my toolbox to reduce my stress response. I engage in breath work. I do daily meditation. Uh, I do yoga that is meant to relieve my stress. It's not power yoga. It's the more stress relieving yoga. And I do um, invest in things that um, level up my mindset. So I take mindset courses, group coaching, um, mindset coaching, all those things, because I realized that there were some things that I could do on my own. And then there were some things that I really needed the help of an expert on. And it has made a big difference in my life to invest in that. And I have noticed that as a, as a person, as a doctor who is a very type A individual who could take on a lot of stress more than your average person, uh, although I could cope with it, it was, it was still causing havoc in my body. So I had to find ways to discharge the stress. I had to find ways to recognize what was triggering my stress, um, cut them down and out of my life if I could. And if I couldn't change my perception around them. And if it still hit me on a physical level, discharge them with these tools that I just introduced you to. And you probably are well aware of because this is something that is really being talked about these days because there's a lot of stress going on out there. And when you watch this video, we are on the tail end of COVID. Hopefully it's the tail end. And there's a lot of people who have been affected by stress over the last few years. And I predict that there's going to be an additional increase in the burden of people suffering through menopause, problems with their hormones like fertility, uh, and all sorts of things like that. So the sooner you get on this, the, the better health you will enjoy and the better you will feel, and the more of your day and your night you can enjoy. The second action that you can take is with your blood sugars and with your blood sugars, very quick, easy action steps that you can take are things like bread. We, uh, many of us eat bread and I'm not even talking about gluten bread. I'm just talking about bread. Even gluten-free bread has this problem in that the very refined flour 
that has not been sourdough fermented has a lot of sugar in it still. One slice of bread can have five teaspoons of sugar in it. That's a lot. And one easy swap is to switch your regular bread for some sourdough bread because the fermentation process, when it ferments, the sugar gets eaten up by the fermentation uh, culture, the yeast or the bacteria. And so there's less sugar in your bread. Same thing for pasta. If you can find a sourdough pasta, that's really great. Instead of blending your fruits into smoothies, eat your fruits. When you blender your fruits, it pulverizes the fiber and your blood sugar response will be way, way higher than if you just ate that fruit. And don't drink anything um, like um, with calories in it, like juices, milk. So even if it's a very healthy, fresh pressed juice, it still has a lot of um, natural fruit sugar uh, even if there's no sugar added. So kids are really exposed to a ton of sugar in this way. And unless it's like a very seasonal time of year where this fruit is coming out and you have the occasional fresh pressed juice, I do not recommend dr drinking juice otherwise. And milk, drinking milk, milk has a lot of sugar in the form of lactose, which is a sugar found in milk. And um, things that have had the sugar processed out of them, like cheeses and butter, Butter has the least amount of milk. So if you're not if you're not lactose intolerant or dairy intolerant, I would be choosing more like the aged cheeses or the butters over drinking milk because the sugar um, effect is really, really different. And then look at your um, processed foods and look at the ingredient list. Don't look at the labels of like fat, protein, carbohydrates. It can be helpful. Uh, and one in the carbohydrates, if you they divide it into fiber versus sugar, and if you have a lot of sugar compared to fiber, that's usually indication that it has a lot of hidden sugars. And you also look at the ingredient list, and there's about 56 different words for sugar that they can use to hide it in the ingredient list. So there's the obvious ones like sugar, and then there's the not so obvious ones like dextrose, uh, maltodextrin, uh, high fructose corn syrup is a deadly one. And then there's the ones that are like made to look healthy, like coconut nectar syrup, brown rice syrup, agave syrup. Those are a lot. Those are very, very sugar rich. And some very healthy protein bars have that. Some very healthy, organic, all natural, um, you know, fair trade products have that. It doesn't mean it's good for your blood sugar hormone balance. So really start to get curious about what you're putting in your mouth, what you're eating how it could be impacting your blood sugars, which could be in turn impacting your sex hormones and in turn impacting your experience with menopause and menopause-related symptoms like hot flashes. Now, I have to say, um, some people will find the blood sugar management easier because they have like, they feel like they can control their food better, but have a hard time with the stress response because they're just so used to the stressful lifestyle that we all live it's hard to then incorporate these tools into your daily life. And some people will have like, you know, will go for the stress response first and have a really hard time with the food because they're like, you know, chemically addicted to that sugar rush and it can be hard to pull it out of the diet. Whatever works for you first to address first. However, what you need to know is eventually you need to address both if you're going to see the maximum effect. Now, next week, I'm going to be talking about would I, Dr. Patricia, use hormone replacement therapy 
to deal with hormone uh, menopause related problems like hot flashes and all the other things that can accompany menopause, the answer might surprise you. And I invite you to come and join me live for that episode because I went deep into the research and I found some really, really recent research, like a brand new study that shed a lot of light and actually changed my mind about the recommendations that I would make to women and what I myself might choose when I go through menopause in the future. So I hope you enjoyed this. Please let me know if you have any questions. Please feel free to share and subscribe so that you don't miss any important piece of knowledge that could uplevel your health in just the way you need it to enjoy your full potential. I look forward to seeing you next Thursday, 12 o'clock Pacific Standard Time. Until then, have a wonderful rest of your day, evening, or night. Bye. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast, Wild Wisdom with Dr. Patricia Mills. If you like this podcast, please take the time to like and subscribe. And please feel free to leave any comments and look below for the contact information if you want to connect with me directly. Thank you. And I hope you have a wonderful day, evening or night. Hi, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Just a reminder, this podcast is for educational purposes only. This podcast is not a substitute for a professional care doctor or other qualified medical professional. This podcast is provided with the understanding that it does not constitute medical or other professional advice or services. If you are looking for help in your journey, it is important that you seek out a qualified health practitioner. If you would like to work with Dr. Patricia for her expert health transformation guidance, please email her at info at drpatriciamills.com to book a discovery call. You can also find Dr. Patricia on Instagram at Dr. Patricia Mills and Facebook at Wild Wisdom for Women with Dr. Patricia Mills, MD. For access to all of Dr. Patricia's educational videos and more amazing perks, consider becoming a Patreon member. Links are in the description of this episode. It is important to have an expert in your corner that can help you make the changes you crave, especially when it comes to your health. Thank you.